Uh, during this series, we've been trying to memorize Colossians chapter 3. If you're new to church, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you wonder who Jesus is, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church, to the Colossian church, and he kind of summed up the character of Christ, because this is what we've been talking about. We've got to live out the character of Christ. We've got to be Jesus. And so Paul kind of sums it up, and we've been trying to memorize this, so uh, we're going to say this together kind of as a memorization activity, although I, we probably don't even have to put it on the screen. You probably all got it down by now, don't you? Yeah, okay, all right, let's keep it on the screen. Okay, here, let's say this together. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So look at this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is who Jesus is. I don't know what you think Jesus is or what the church is, but as far as this church is concerned, this is who we are. We are people of mercy and kindness and humility, gentleness, patience, and love for all people. So today, I want to talk to you about patience, okay? Patience. Uh, turn to somebody right now and tell them, be patient with me. Be patient with me, all right? Because it starts in the church. Mark chapter 9. Uh, if you got a Bible, turn there, Mark chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible uh, on your mobile device, just download what's called version. It's a great version of the Bible. I read out of the New Living Translation. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, Mark um, was not one of the 12 disciples, but he was a companion to Peter, who was instrumental in starting the church. And then he was also a companion of Paul, who I just mentioned. Paul started churches all around the world. And so Mark... He, he followed the disciples, he knew the disciples, and he wrote down the accounts of Jesus' life for us to read. So this is one of those accounts. It's a really interesting story. This boy, he is uh, filled full of evil spirits. Um, he's been this way since he was a little boy. He can't get healed. His dad brings him to the disciples. They can't heal him. And finally, they bring him to Jesus. And Jesus says this in verse 19. Start in verse 19. He says, you faithless people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. So how long has this been happening, Jesus asked. And his dad said, well, it's been going on since he was a little boy. So it's been going on for quite a long time. The, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What a great cry. If, if the only cry you ever made to God, if the only prayer you ever prayed to God was have mercy on me, it's the greatest prayer you will ever have. God always answers that prayer. God never denies, I'm preaching up in here right now and I haven't even started. You ain't even, y'all probably, you're like, is, are we gonna sit down? You're gonna sit down here in a minute. But I'm just telling you, when you ask God for mercy, people around you, you ask for mercy, do they give you mercy? No, they don't. Don't be going, oh, yes, they do. No, they don't. Man, they let you carry that for a few days. Oh, you need to think about that. Or I let you have, God instantly gives you mercy. All right, now let's keep moving because that's not even my sermon. All right, so but that is good. All right, where am I? What verse am I in? Anybody? Oh, oh, verse 23. What, what do you mean if I can, Jesus said. Anything is possible if a person believes. So the Father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Second best prayer, you can ever pray. Help me overcome my unbelief. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've never had doubts, man, you need to come up here and preach because I don't know, that's, that's crazy. All of us have had doubts. When you have doubts, 
Whether God is God or whether God is going to do what God said he was going to do or God's going to do what these songs say they're going to do. If God's going to ever answer my prayer, it's okay. You come to God and you say, I just need you to help me because I'm struggling to believe right now. I'm struggling to believe. So Jesus said this when the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child. Never enter him again. The spirit screamed through the boy into a violent convulsion, left him. It was so bad they thought the boy was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone with his disciples, they said, hey, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus said this, well, this, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. So today, I, I want to talk to you about a patient investment. Patient investment. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your spirit being here already in this service. Thank you for the worship we've already had. Thank you, God, that you are already speaking to men and women across this auditorium and in this great church and body that you put together. Church, let's just pray right now for those around us. You might know them, you might not. Let's pray. God, speak to the person next to me, in front of me, behind me. Uh, and then pray also for your own soul. God, you have something you want to say to me. Speak to me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray right now. Just pray. God, just speak to me. And Would you pray for me as your pastor? And I want to be faithful to the word that God has for us today. And if you're ready to hear from God, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. Well, I, I love coffee. Anybody in here love coffee? Coffee lovers in the house? All right, that's good. Um, and I, I'm a coffee connoisseur. I mean, I'm, I, I am a purist when it comes to coffee, and I love it. And coffee has an interesting history to it. Uh, you probably don't care. You didn't come to church for a coffee lesson, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because I love coffee, uh, and I have the microphone. So... Uh, <laughs> Coffee has been around since the 1600s, and they, the legend or the story is, is that this, uh, this shepherd was out with his goats, and one of his goats, this goat started eating these berries, and, and they got all hyped up. They didn't like sleep for like three days, and he was like, I don't know what that is, but I got to have that. Isn't that what we do with coffee, right? You see somebody, you're like, I don't know what that is, but I got to have that. And, and coffee was, was born. And over the years, the brewing process for coffee has, has changed quite a bit. In fact, um, way, way back, 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 back in old school, they used to use one of these. Anybody, anybody recognize what this is? The, it's the kettle. Now, some of y'all are like, I ain't never seen, what is that? What is, I've never seen anything like that. Google it, okay? It's called a kettle. And the way, this is how they used to brew coffee back in the day. You used to have to put water in this, and they would put it over like a campfire or like a pot-bellied stove. And, and they would just throw the grounds into it. And, and then after like two or three hours, they would finally have coffee, and they would drink it. And it was completely unfiltered. Now, this is interesting. Um, uh, it's inter again, interesting to me. You might not care. That's okay. I have the microphone, and I love coffee. So, so, so they didn't have a filter, so this one guy came up with this brilliant idea. He goes, he goes, hey, I'm tired of getting the grounds in my mouth. So he said, you know what? And he, he goes, I got an idea. And he takes off his sock, and he pours the grounds into the sock. That's just nasty, isn't it? That's like, and that's when Folgers was born. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and so but that's the way it went. And then and in the 70s, they came out with the Mr. Coffee, uh, and, and that's pretty much what we use uh, for, for a couple decades. But now, but now, oh, can I get an amen from the crowd? Today, we have one of these beauties right 
here, the Keurig machine. Oh, I love this crowd because the first service, they were all over this. I have coffee purists here today. Oh, man, amen to you people being here, saved and sanctified by our Lord Jesus. All right. So the way this thing works, and you've probably seen these things, is you get this little, little packet right here, okay, and then you put it in and you push it down. You turn on the button, and in less than 60 seconds, you have the most amazing, hot, mediocre cup of coffee you have ever had in your life. It's terrible. Now, oh, I like this crowd. I like you already. I'm just going to preach for co about coffee for 30 minutes. All right. So, I, but I'm, I'm a purist, and so I, I won't drink it this way unless I absolutely have to. I actually have gone all the way back, and this is how I make coffee. This is the best coffee you can have. I, I, I brew this. It's called Mountain Man Coffee. And it's, I named it after my grandpa. My grandpa was a modern-day mountain man. He was the president of the Muzzle Loaders Association and the, and the Mountain Man's Club in Oregon. And, and so what he did is he would take a kettle, and he would pour the coffee grounds in it, and then he'd put it over a stove and, or, or over an open fire. And, and this process, so takes a long time. You got you to boil the water. First you put the water in, you got to boil, and then you got to wait, and, and then you know it's ready because it sounds like you stepped on a cat. That's what it sounds like. And, and when, it, when it finally is ready, then you ground your beans. Amen? Okay, if, if you don't, okay, if you already have them ground, you're saved, not sanctified, okay? <laughs> but if you grind your beans, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I, I always grind my beans fresh, and then I pour them into the, the kettle, and then you stir it, and you have to wait about 10 minutes. Now, the whole process takes 25 minutes to have a cup of coffee. And I know what most people are thinking, yeah, I'm sticking with this bad boy right here. I'm not doing this. This takes way too long. It's, you have to be so patient with this, and you have to take your time, but it's the best cup of coffee. I, I, I think today our problem is, is we're impatient about everything, aren't we? Like, we can't be patient for anything. We can't wait on anything. We got to have it, what, now. And, and when, it, when it comes to sharing the gospel, let me talk to those of you who are followers of Jesus. When it comes to sharing the gospel, we are not very patient. In fact, I was um, raised, and I'm not knocking the way I was raised because because of the way I was raised, I'm a follower of Jesus. But one of the ways I was raised was that you got to close the deal right away. Like you go to somebody, you're like, if you were, if you were to die today, do you know where you spend eternity? You know, hey, this cup of coffee's hot. You know where else it's hot? Hell. And, you know, I mean, just any kind of lead-in you can have, and you got to close the deal. I, I want to submit to you today, that's the worst way to reach people for Jesus, okay? I'm not saying it's, that, that you can't do that, and I'm not saying that people don't come to Christ right away. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that I think there's a better way, and I think there's a, a, a more effective way and, and, and a way in which honors God, and, and because when it, when it comes to reaching people for the gospel, we want to hand them an invite card, we want them to come to church, and we want them to get saved, and we want them to be a missionary to Africa, all within a 24-hour window. <laughs> and it doesn't happen that way. I mean, we, we want Keurig Christians. We, 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 want it, we want somebody to be hot, bold, and strong instantly, right? Now, now I mean, that's a great recipe, ladies, for a man, hot, bold, and strong instantly. I know you... <laughs> You wanted that, I knew, some, I knew somebody was going to say amen to that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Is that you, Wendy? Yeah, uh, okay. 
single men, you can see Wendy after the service. She, uh, she's single, um, and, and she's looking for hot, strong, and bold, okay? <laughs> this sermon has gone completely off the rails, and I haven't even gotten to my point yet. Okay. <laughs> but, but this is what we want, right? But, but this is not the way in which God wants us to reach people that are far from him. Now, here's what I would like for you to do. I want you to think for just a moment about somebody you know that's, that's far from God. Okay? I want you to think of who that person is. Might be a couple of people. Who, you got a picture of them, who that person is? Now, I want you to do another exercise. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you just to write that person's name down right now. Will you do that for me? Just this is an exercise, and, and you're gonna, we're going to use this through the service, okay? So who is the person you know that's far from God? Write it in your phone. Write it uh, on a piece of paper. But listen, here's what you need to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to take it from here to here, okay? One of the ways we do that is by writing. When you write something down, there's something that happens where it becomes very real, so I want you to write that person's name down. I'm not asking you to do anything I don't do. If, you, if I were to open up my phone right now and show you my phone, you'd see a list of about 20 names of individuals that I'm praying for that I know personally that are far from God. So who do you know that's far from God? Now, next to that name, I want you to write this down. If I will invest, God will do the rest. If I will invest, God will do the rest. I think what God is asking of us in, in this story and what we see here from the, the disciples and from Jesus and from the, the Father is that the, the gospel takes time. It, it, it's a process, and, and we've got to be patient, and we've got to invest and, and know people, know their stories and know their names. And, and, and in fact, uh, we talk a lot at Core Church about intercede, invest, and invite. If you know people who are far from God, intercede, invest, invite. In other words, intercede, pray for them. That's the first thing we should do, pray for people who are far from God. And, then, and when the time is right and, and when the opportunity is there, invite them to church, make that. But we also talk about this idea of investing, which is a step that we always seem to miss as followers of Jesus because we want it now. We want carried Christians, but it doesn't work that way, so we have to invest in people's lives. What does that mean? It means to care about people. I talked a couple of weeks ago about kindness, about just being kind for the sake of being kind. I mean, just, just being nice to someone and caring about them because they're a human being and because they're created in the image of God. And I just want to love them and I want the best for their life. And I encourage you, if you've not heard that message, go back and listen to it on the podcast. Of, I think that's the message that people need. So I, I want us to talk for just a few minutes here about this idea of investing, because investing is, is a much slower process. So look with me at Mark chapter 9 and, and verse 19. Again, the disciples and this father, they brought this boy to Jesus, and then Jesus says this to them. And let's, let's say these three words together. What does he say? You faithless people. You faithless people. How long must I be with you? How, how long must I put up with you? B bring the boy to me. So some translations of this passage of scripture say, you faithless generation. You faithless generation. I really think and believe that we are living in, in a faithless generation. Our nation at one point was a Christian nation, but it's not a Christian nation anymore. It's not predominantly Christian. And in fact, a generation ago, less than 10% of people a generation ago put down that they had no religious affiliation. Less than 10%. A generation later, 
More than 20% now say they have no religious affiliation. I'm not a numbers guy or a statistics guy, but I think this helps us a little bit. And one of the things now they know is that it used to be a generation ago, 60%, 6 out of 10 people, 60% of people went to church. I mean, they just, yeah, I go to church and I'm a Christian. Now those numbers have reversed. A generation later, 60% of people say, no, I don't have any faith in Jesus. I'm not a follower of Jesus, and they don't, they don't go to church. 60%. That should be alarming to us. What? What that means for us, like in Broken Arrow, here's what it means in Broken Arrow. 60,000 people got up today and weren't thinking about Jesus or going to church. Wasn't even on their radar. Now, that's crazy to me because we live in Jesus Disneyland. Like, like what I mean by that is like, this is, I mean, you got Oral Roberts University is here, Kenneth Hagin Ministries, I mean, just on and on and on. We're like the the buckle, belt, buck, we're the buckle of the belt buckle. Now I get it out there. We're the, we're the buckle. Okay, I mean, like, are you kidding me? 60,000 people? Now, how, how many of you this morning, you're not from Broken Arrow? You live outside of Broken Arrow. Raise your hand. Okay, when you go outside of the Broken Arrow area, that number goes up even higher. In the Tulsa metro area, over 600,000 people got up and weren't thinking about Jesus. Let me put it to you a different way. I, I believe 600,000 people got up this morning with no hope. 600,000 people got up today. They ain't got no healing. They ain't got no, they don't have peace. They have temporary peace. They have temporary hope, but they don't have a lasting. 600,000 people woke up this morning. They ain't got no purpose for their life. I believe how we respond in our generation is going to affect generations to come. And what I want to do is I want to grow old and I want to die and I want to know that those numbers are reversed. I, I want to turn the reins over of this church one day as an old man and, and give it to a much younger man and, and him be able to stand up and tell a completely different story where he could stand up on a Sunday 20 years from now and he could say, hey, y'all remember this? Hey, it's been another generation, but guess what? The numbers have flipped. No longer is it 60% that are not going to church. It's 60% of people in our area are now following Jesus. How awesome would that be? That would be awesome. That's why we exist. That's my calling, and that's what I want to see happen in my generation. Now, people are reaching out. I think people are reaching out all over the place, and they're, they're trying to do good and, and make a difference. So some people, though, some people have, have given up on this generation. I mean, they watch the news, and they see all that's going on, and they're just like, you know, they just throw up their hands. They're like, ah, I just forget it, and they just give up and walk away. And, and when you do that, what you're basically doing is just saying, ah, just go to hell. Just go to hell. That is not the response that God is looking for. That's not the response or who Jesus is. Now, now some people, some people are complaining, but, but they're not engaging. I mean, they're just talking about, oh, this world, and oh, it's so horrible. And then somehow, some way, bling, that makes the world a better place. No. I mean, that's, that's similar to like getting on Facebook and liking a cause and thinking that you've made a difference in this world. <laughs> yes, I'm a social activist. I like five causes this week. I'm an amazing person. No, no, you've done nothing. When you complain, you do nothing. Maybe it makes you feel better, but it doesn't help. Some, some people are, are engaging, but they're enraging. 
And what, I, what I mean by that is that we've talked about that the past few weeks, that people are self-righteous and they're legalistic and they're judgmental. And you see their videos on YouTube. You ever stumbled across one of their videos on YouTube? You always know these people because their videos start out with a lot of fire. A lot of fire, a lot of demons, and a lot of scriptures scrolling up in red that talk about damnation, which those are very effective at leading people to Jesus. So many people come to Jesus from those, no, they don't. Now, the truth is, some, some of you, are, you, you have reached out, and, and you've done it in a kind way, and you've done it in a compassionate way, in a merciful way, but, but you've been rejected. I remember a few years ago, our youth pastor, Eric Hawkinson, his son, Noah, five years old, we're, we're going out in the neighborhoods, and we're just, all we're doing is going out and just inviting people to church. We just kind of say, hey, Easter's coming up, so I invite you to church. And so he goes up to this, this little old lady, and she's working in her garden, and he has this little invite card, and he goes, ma'am, I'd like to invite you for, for Easter, and hands her the invite card, and she looks at him, and she's like, what? She takes the invite card, tears it in half, and throws it in his face. That lady's going to hell. I just, I mean, I'm not one to judge, but I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm not, but you've been rejected. And, and it's so easy to become cynical. It's so easy to become judgmental. It's so easy to become uh, bitter or just frustrated. Just give up. Now, one thing we have to acknowledge here is that even, even Jesus got frustrated. Like, we don't think of Jesus getting frustrated, but he got frustrated. Look, he said what? Hey, how long do I got to put up with you? Yes, every parent has said that to your child, have you not? How long do I got to put up with you? You're like 27. How long do I have to put up with you? But Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't give up on this boy. Just like a parent, you don't give up on your kids, do you? Like, no matter what, you, you don't give up on them because you love them. And you, you, everybody else gives up on them, but you're not, you're not going to give up on that child no, no matter what. Listen. Every man, woman, and child is a child of God. You do not have to make a, a confession of faith into, to Jesus to become a child of God. You don't become a child of God. You're already a child of God. If you, you were birthed in the image of God Almighty. He created you. You are his child, and that means he loves you, and he will never give up on you. Oh, that's good. That's good preaching right there. I hope that's going on the podcast. Amen? Amen. Like, that's good. And this is who Jesus is. In this moment, he didn't give up. And he doesn't give up on this. He says, bring, bring, bring the boy here. I, I'm frustrated, but, but, but bring him to me. And I think it's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to be faithful in a faithless generation. And here's the thing we got to remember as followers of Jesus. People are not the enemy. Okay? Turn, turn to the person next to you. Just tell them, hey, you're not the enemy. And turn to the person behind you and say, you're, you're not the enemy. Turn to the person in front of you and say, you're, you're not the enemy. Okay? People are not the enemy. People are not the enemy. We have a real enemy, and that enemy is the devil, and he is the one that's coming up against and working against them in their lives. And so this boy is not the enemy. This boy has an enemy working against him. Look at verse 20. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. I mean, think about this. When the boy was brought to Jesus, this evil spirit starts kicking and screaming and, and just pushing back. Listen, this is exactly what's going to happen. The closer someone gets to Jesus, the more violent the opposition. Because the enemy doesn't want good things to happen in their life. Now, I'm not saying that, listen, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying like people are going to fall over and start writhing around, you know, and foaming at the mouth, you know, that's weird. You know, it'd be easy to recognize somebody far from God, though, wouldn't it? Be like, oh, 
You. <laughs> we got a live one. Call the preacher. There's a little foam on the side of the lip. <laughs> I mean, we make it easier, but it doesn't work that way, does it? The devil's a, a little sneakier. He likes, to, he likes to take the truth of God and he likes to twist it around and feed a half-truth. He, he likes to take the, the gospel and, and manipulate it and, and even use words and, and twist them around so that someone is, is confused. So that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, like if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, when I talk about finding hope, you're like, heck yeah, hope, of course. I mean, uh, yes. But other people that are not followers of Jesus, they're like, I ain't got no hope. I have no hope. I mean, you know healing if you're a follower of Jesus. Your soul has been healed. But there are people that hear about the healing that Jesus can give in their lives and they, and they push it away because they're like, I, I just, he can't fix this. And even in scripture, we see this, that Jesus, he didn't heal everybody. We think he did, but he didn't. Like there were people he would go and they were just like, they didn't believe. Jesus is doing miracles right in front of their face and somebody's sitting there and needs healing and they're like, that's nah, probably not gonna work for me. This is the work of the enemy. This is what the enemy does in our lives. But here's the good news. As you invest in people's lives, and we gotta stop this drive-by, um, drive-by evangelism. We gotta stop this drive-by drop-off stuff where we put a track somewhere or we stand out somewhere and say something and then just drive by people and don't care about them. And we have these curious Christians. We gotta stop, we gotta invest. We gotta stop and take time to invest in people's lives. Because when you invest in somebody's life, you get to know their name. You get to know their story. And you just love them because they're a human being. No matter who they are, no matter how far from God they are, no matter the poor choices they've made, no matter the decisions that they're making, no matter how oppositional they are to the message of Jesus, you love them and you care about them. And as you do that, the lies of the enemy will be broken within them. Because when you are impatient with somebody and you come at them oppositionally, it just reinforces the lies of the enemy in their life. They're like, yep, I knew it. All Christians are like that. I knew it. But when you step into the picture and they're like, yep, all Christians are like that, and then they meet you and they're like, wait a second, that, that argument doesn't work anymore. Like, I, all Christians are like, blah, 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 and then they meet you, and you're not judgmental. And you are kind, and you're gentle, and you're patient. Yeah, it starts breaking that down, and suddenly they begin to see the truth of who Jesus is and, and what the gospel is all about. See, if I will invest, God will do the rest. So in this story, in, in verse 21, Jesus asked this question, how long has this been happening? And he replied, since he was what? A little boy. Since, since he was a, a little boy. Listen, I, I, I've been in church since I was a little boy. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, where's Shauna at? Shauna shared, uh, is Shauna in here? Sha there's Shauna. I mean, I'm so glad, Shauna, like, it's amazing what you're doing. Like, I'm, I'm a product of, of people like you that, that invest. Like, I was born and raised as a little boy in, in, in the church. I mean, I mean, people in the nursery have changed my diapers, okay? I mean, not now. I mean, <laughs> years ago. Like, that's just weird. I don't know what that was. But I, mean, but, but I have been raised. Like, right now, think about this. Someone, there's a baby in, in the nursery. Like, you could be changing a future preacher's diapers. How weird is that, you know? I mean, that's just crazy. 
But I, I, I know all the stories. I, I know all the songs. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing. Hmm and hmm. You know, I, mean, I know them all. <laughs> Thank you. I, got, I am a C. I am a C-H. I am a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. And I will... I don't know the rest of that. I never could get that one down. I'm a terrible speller. I never could spell anything. Hated that song. There was a song I did love. Um, the Lord's Army. You ever heard that one? I'm in the Lord's Army. Yeah, I will march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery, fly over the enemy. I love that song because it's, it's a very violent song. <laughs> we don't sing it anymore. It's okay. I am a product of children's ministry. <laughs> but I love that song because me and my friends, like, you're supposed to go like this, shoot the artillery. Not me and my buddies, man. We're like, this is us in children's church. Fly over the enemy. You're supposed to do it nice like this. Not me and my buddies, man. We're like, bam, taking their, decapitating my friends in children's church. Oh, good times. Good times. But I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the foundation that I, that I have. But this boy... This boy was about to encounter Jesus for the very first time. Like for some of you, that, that's your story. Like you, you didn't grow up in church. I met a man a couple of weeks ago. The very first time he ever met a Christian, he was 42 years old. First time he ever met a Christian. And, and so for us that are followers of Jesus, it's so easy for us to forget that people don't know the story. They don't know the story of Jesus. And so we get impatient. We're like, you don't know? You should know. How do you not know? And we want him to become a Kyrie Christian instantly, but it doesn't work that way. It takes time. It takes patience. The, the, the word is like this. The scripture says the word is like a seed, and it's, and it's planted into the ground, and some plant, some water, and then some harvest. And it's this idea that you plant, and you wait, and you nurture the soil, and you water the soil, and, and you watch the, it mature, and then eventually something comes up out of the ground. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, Laura brought home some seeds, and she thought, this will be fun. Let's plant some flowers in the backyard, some seeds. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Let's do it. And so we'd never done that before. And so planted these seeds in the backyard. And so every day I'd go out and I'd look, nothing. <laughs> Come back a couple days later, dirt. And I, I just went on for like two weeks. Two weeks later, I'm out, and I'm looking, and I'm like, you ain't there. I'm done with you. And I went to the store, and I bought real flowers, because those aren't real flowers. I bought real flowers, and I just planted them over the top of the seeds. And I was like, bing! Sometimes this is how we are with people. There ain't nothing coming up. I am done with you. And we walk away from people. When something is happening underneath the surface, every time you, you show the love of Christ, every time I show the, the mercy of of Christ, every time that I'm, I'm patient and I'm gentle and I'm loving to someone, I'm nurturing the soil, and if I'm patient, a harvest will come about in time. It is going to come. I think in, in the story, what we see is this, how patient this dad was. This dad had a son, and his son was dealing with this horrific possession, and, and his dad never quit on his son. Never walked away from his son. And then he brings him to the disciples, and disciples, they can't heal his son, but he doesn't give up on his son. And he takes him to Jesus, and, and he's standing there with Jesus, and he says, this is the most compelling statement, he says, help my unbelief. And your dad desperately wants his son to be healed, and he says, help my unbelief. I think sometimes the person we really need to be praying for is ourselves. Pray for me. God, help my unbelief. 
I'm struggling, God, because I want to see these people grow in faith. I want to see them come to Jesus. I want to see them know Jesus. I want, I want to see them have the, I want them to have the hope I have. I want them to enjoy the life that I've had. I've had the most amazing life. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of his grace. It's all because of his mercy. It's nothing I've done on my own. But every time that I've sacrificed myself to my Savior, he's given me a beautiful life. And I want that desperately for others. And so God, help my unbelief because I'm starting to give up on them. And I don't want to give up on them. One of my favorite preachers is a guy from the 1800s. His name is George Mueller, and he started all these orphanages in England. He's an amazing man of faith. I've never seen or read about another man that has so much faith as George Mueller. In fact, if you struggle with faith, George Mueller, read his stuff. He's he's unbelievable. These orphanages and and what God did through him was unbelievable. But uh, he he never wrote a book, but but he did keep journals, and we have his journals. And what they found out is this amazing man of faith had some buddies that he was praying for, five friends. These five men that he, he was praying for, um, the, first, the first one that he saw come to faith in Jesus took 18 months of praying. Second friend he was praying for that would come to faith and he was investing in his friend's life and caring about his friend took two years. His third friend that he was praying for, it took five years for that friend to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And his fourth friend took 25 years. 25 years. George Mueller, one of the greatest preachers in history. One of his friends took 25 years. His fifth friend didn't come to Jesus when George Mueller was alive. He never saw that happen. But at his funeral, his fifth friend made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. George Mueller at that point was in his 90s. In his 90s. And he never quit on his friends. If I will invest, God will do the rest. This father never quit on his son. Don't quit on your son. Don't quit on your daughter. Don't quit on your dad. Don't quit on your mom. Don't quit on that coworker. Don't quit on that neighbor. Persevere through that. Get them to Jesus. Because his son was miraculously healed. It says in verse 27, Jesus took him by the hand and, and, and helped him to his feet. And, and, and the boy stood up. Healed. Here's the thing. None of us, none of us are curious Christians. None of us. Not a single one of us came to faith that quick. It didn't happen. It, it, it was a process. It, it, it took time. And, and God was patient with you and God was, was patient with me. Come on, man. Is that not true? Is God not patient with you? Turn to somebody. Just testify right now. Tell somebody, God is patient with me. Come on, tell somebody, God is patient with me. And some of you want to turn back and go, well, at least God is, because I am losing my patience with you. (laughs) So I talked about the Apostle Paul who started all these churches. This is what he said to his letter to the Romans. He said this, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Why can't you see that this kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? That's how patient God is with us. And if God is that patient with us, shouldn't we be that much more patient with others? Like there was somebody somewhere that invested in you and took you by the hand and helped you to your feet. You didn't get up that easy. I didn't get up that easy. In fact, sometimes I remember in my life, people were reaching down to lift me up, and I said, let go of my hand. 
I don't want none of that. I'm staying right where I'm at. But praise God, those people in my life, they never quit on me. They never quit on me. My mama, she never stopped praying for me. Never stopped. Man, and I would just lay there. I didn't want to have anything to do with God. But then one day, I don't know how it happened. I don't know, understand it all. But one day, the power of God broke through into this hardened heart. And there was this preacher, Russell Human, in the back room of a Sunday school room, who reached down and he said, do you want to know Jesus? And all of a sudden, everything broke through, and I said, yeah. It hadn't been going so well my way. And he reached down, and he lifted up this broken man, and he raised me to my feet, and I've been standing on my feet by the grace of God for three decades now because nobody would give up on me. These people would not give up on me. They wouldn't quit on me. So once you think again, who is that person? Who is it you know that's far from God? Get a picture of them in your, in your mind. Just think about how God wants to use you in their life, how he wants you to invest in, in their life. And, and if you will invest, God will do the rest.